devil a tag team We keep a black and blue theme My guy be Shawn Michaels too with Mario Gennetti Two me the secrets like Hetty But keeps me in the mix like spaghetti Speed through life, Mario and Dreddy Fast but steady, I walk the danger zone Folks want to dead me I knew it wasn't my hood But it was no other way to get home I did want you to be a tag team Well, well, well what a ending to a show as the bloodline story continues to dominate and be the best thing on television. Um, I've avoided saying this on the show. I think, I think I've avoided saying this out loud to now. When this thing is officially over, which we have a while to go, because here's, if you think about this, the bloodline story doesn't just end once Roman loses the championships. The bloodline story can continue to go as Roman will then be will descend into madness, and he will destroy anything that's in his path because he won't be able to get the championships back or his family. He will be alone. So the bloodline story can continue, but this portion of it, once it ends, WWE is in some serious trouble because I don't. Th- there's not many compelling things on the TV, <clears throat> and it seems like the things that are compelling, they are kind of pulling away from those things um but what a week in wrestling we've had think about this you guys are hearing this on a monday think about the last seven to eight days we have brian versus okada for the first time ever brian wrestled with a broken freaking arm we had omega osprey for the United States Championship of New Japan. We had Bloodline Civil War Tag Team Match. Two Money in the Bank matches. The massive ovation LA Knight got two nights in a row in London. We had John Cena promising a WrestleMania in London. Because they want to beat an AEW record that has not even happened yet, we don't even know what the final number will be until fucking August. That's just been the last eight days. So say what you want to about ratings. Say what you want to about ticket sales. These things do matter. But let me tell you something. What matters the most is that the people that watch these shows and that spend their hard-earned money to go to these shows are having a good freaking time. And to me, that's what I take from this. Like, let me tell you something. The reason why I know I'm a life of wrestling is because no matter what, and my mom can contest to this, I have a friend uh, named Brandon, he can contest to this, anywhere I've ever gone, my fandom of wrestling has gone with me. Me me and Brandon will be hanging out with people, I'll have wrestling shirts on, talk about wrestling, OGs would ask about wrestling, I'd say, oh, this was going on. I remember, I remember one week, I legitimately, guy, doing some stuff out of his house, work, and um, he had me come over because he couldn't be the part of No Mercy. This is a true story. Uh, he worked from home. And um, it was before working from home was a big deal. He was like, I can't get this particular code unlocked. I can't beat it, beat it with Kane. Like, you had to go the entire year on No Mercy because you played from year to year. So you start the day after WrestleMania, and then you went until WrestleMania. And you couldn't lose at all with Kane. Every, any match you was in, you had to win. Which was hard because Kane would be in the Royal Rumble, and I think you would be number one or two. You were one of the first two in there, which means your 
and those things were not hard. You couldn't you couldn't make a mistake, right? I mean, you could still lose and beat the game, but you weren't unlock. Uh, I forgot what it was you were unlocked. Me, if I'm being honest with you, and he couldn't do it. And I remember I had done it once before under on my NES, and I was really good at No Mercy, and um, I did. And I went over there, beat that, and he he wanted me to beat some other stuff. I've always worn my wrestling fandom in there, no matter who enjoys it or not. But let me tell you something. That crowd in London was fucking amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing the reaction that AEW gets, because they're going to get the same reaction. But we don't even have a fucking match announced for All In. And they've already sold 65,000 tickets. It's going to get crazy. John Cena got a massive pop. L.A. Knight. Let me tell you something. If we don't get an action figure from this mother bleeper soon, if if we don't get something going with him, he could be Zack Ryder. It's still too early to say. I'm going to... I have some news later on that was reported that may be encouraging or disen- or maybe not so encouraging, depending on how you, f- how you feel about things. Um, we're going to get into this. this. My name is Slow Chemical. I see things a little differently. Um, and we're, we're starting with Money in the Bank. We're just starting there because there's a lot of surprises. Look here. If you want an in-ring product, the better show for it, without a doubt, is going to be Forbidden Door. If you want progressive, if you want to progress storylines, it was this one. And everyone's about storylines now. Doing air quotes. They can't see me doing air quotes. But let me tell you something. They had some twists in this night that took me by surprise. I didn't see it coming. You guys heard my predictions. If you didn't, there's in the archives. Um, I still stand by those predictions, obviously. But a lot of surprises. So let's just start right into it. We start with the men's money in the bank match, which made things a bit interesting the rest of the night. I was on edge because I'm like, I'm like, well, this could get interesting very, very, very soon. The men's match included Butch, Damian Priest, Santos Escobar, Shinsuke Nakamura, Logan Paul, LA Knight, and Ricochet. Look here. To me, it was between three people. Damian Priest, Logan Paul, LA Knight. I, I chose Priest reluctantly, but I chose Priest. I, the people's choice, without a doubt, was LA Knight. This dude, he got a massive pipe the night before, and then this pop was just crazy. And no one could do anything else. Butch is from London, by the way. He got booed when he went against LA Knight. That's how over this guy is. And honestly, it happened naturally. And I remember when I was surprised. I remember when uh, Triple H brought him into NXT. And I've always enjoyed Eli Drake's work, LA Knight, whatever you want to call him. And I was like, this is an interesting choice because I knew he was older. Now, once again, this is, he, he brought him into under the black and gold banner. But it was the very end of the black and gold banner. And I was like, "Where's it? What's going on with this?" Because like he was he was with the NWA, LA Knight was. And I'm like, "What's going on here? Like, like why is he bringing an older guy in when they're supposed? This is when the rumors were, hey, they're starting to get younger, blah blah blah, and they hadn't done it yet because Triple H wasn't ousted yet." But I remember saying to myself, "Okay, but I've always known he could talk, you know, dude could talk a mile long, you know, but I didn't know. But there's no way they saw any of this coming." And I remember the minute I said they have a problem. <clears throat> I was talking to somebody, <coughs> excuse me, and it was when they dropped the first hint of him going back to LA Knight, and the and the crowd knew who he was. Let me tell you something. During the black and gold era, you had to have a name: Samoa Joe, Adam Cole, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You had to have a name. 
for people to even acknowledge you, right? And that's even in that's that's, that's saying a lot to acknowledge you, right? Because they didn't mix the two. It was like one was in a different multiverse than the other one, right? The fact that he had minimal time, and don't get me wrong, he had a, a great few Cameron Grimes uh, in LA and um NXT, but like the fact that he had never mixed with the other multiverse, New Eric again. And, and the, it was, I remember it, was like, it wasn't a, a huge part. I was like, it was like, yeah. I was like, interesting. And I remember watching that on uh, the, because they, they put that snippet on the website. And I was like, or excuse me, on, on YouTube. And I was like, oh, okay, they might have something here. And the homie was like, you think so? I said, I think so. I, that's, that wasn't like a, that was a nice little pop for just him hinting he may go back to LA night. You know, because him and Cameron Grimes had a hell of a few. They told a hell of a story. He had that million-dollar championship walking around. And um, I get it. Yes, he does have some comparisons to The Rock and all. That's fine, dude. Who gives a shit? Everyone has copied off somebody. Hogan copied off superstar Billy Graham. Booker T copied off of Ron Simmons. These are good people to mimic and then build your own style around. He has his own style. He doesn't wrestle like anybody. You know, Ricochet is a taller Rey Mysterio. Just saying. So, anyways, this match was bananas. I am not going to recap all of it. Go watch it. And there was one scary bump where they were trying to, or Ricochet and Logan Paul were trying to do a Spanish fly. They both weren't on the top rope as steady as they should have been. They still went for it, and I'm assuming Ricochet went for it because Logan Paul said, "I can make this happen." He barely got turned. He's shown. He's seen the pictures on. Uh, I don't have. I don't get on Twitter much, but I know there's a lot of people complain about Twitter because it's limiting. It, apparently, it's limiting like what you can see. I don't quite understand it because, like I said, I don't understand Twitter. You know, and so um, apparently, Elon Musk is doing some overhaul. It, it all sounds weird to me, but that's just me. Um, but he showed the scars on his back from it. And he's lucky because that looked like he broke his freaking neck. And my first thought was, uh, I, if I was in the crowd, they would have caught me with my hands. I'm literally at home, my hands on top of my head, like, I hope he's alive, you know. And he was he, he was safe, but he wasn't. He was no longer a factor the rest of his match. Um, and so, which I'm, the crowd just loved, obviously. But um, it came down to Damian Priest and LA Knight. LA Knight took a falcon arrow from the top of the ladder damian priest climbed it and grabbed it and he is officially your money in the bank for 2023 mr money in the bank excuse me um here's the thing you could have gone with either one of these guys storyline wise it makes sense because if you look at it from a storyline perspective him and finn balor fighting it's clear damian priest is gonna get kicked out or leave the judgment day and he is on to these they, they're putting him in these positions i keep saying this week after week they've trusted damian priest since the day they brought him on the main roster and that's before triple h took over but but damian priest has been i will say this i remember he i keep saying this i enjoyed his work as punishment martinez when he went to nxt i was like i don't know this guy i don't know how he's gonna do he's done well north american champion i got the um Came on the main roster undefeated for the U and won the U.S. title as an undefeated guy. Like it wasn't the undefeated shit wasn't highlighted, which is for the best. But he's been treated pretty good. Bad Bunny tag team match at his first WrestleMania was not on this year's WrestleMania card, but had a, a hell of a match with Bad Bunny. Like it's one of those situations where he's been treated really good. And he's performed really well. 
to that to make to to um show that he can handle these positions. My only hope. Look here, they went ahead and they made a whole other world heavyweight championship. My hope is he doesn't do storyline. I'll, I'll say this: <clears throat> my final thought on last year's cash-ins were whack-a-mundo. The women's cash-ins are always weak, but it made sense for Austin Theory, who tried twice to cash in on Roman Reigns and just couldn't get it. He didn't want to waste. He said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go for a title I can win." And he used it for the U.S. title. You know what? Good for him. I just saw a stat. Austin Theory has not won a clean match on the main roster yet. Jesus D.H. Christ. I don't know how true that stat is. I saw it said that could be the stat of the day. And that is a ridiculous stat if that's the truth. My point in saying that is this. I hope they don't waste it on him defeating Gunthar to become intercontinental champion. Once that record's broken, I can give a shit less. Let him cash in, even if it's a token run. See how he does with that World Heavyweight Championship. He would only be the second Puerto Rican star to ever be a world champion in WWE outside of Pedro uh, Morales, I believe. But I just think it's a waste of fucking time to have him cash in and make it seem like cashing in on the Intercontinental or U.S. Champion means something. I'm with you guys. That Intercontinental Championship does mean more now with Gunther having it, but I'm sorry, it's not going to be treated this way once the next person wins. And, I, and he doesn't need it. He's already won a mid-card fucking title. No one talks about the run because he was just, you know, a generic, you know, good guy at the time until he linked up with Bad Bunny. Then he became, he got more on the radar. But no, like, let give him a run with this world. This is, this is why, what's it? I, I used to be like most of you guys. One world champion, blah, blah, blah. Then they had the brand split. I've told this story before on the show. Don't remember. I talked too much shit to remember what episode I, I, I said it on. But I remember vividly enjoying seeing people like CM Punk, Booker T, who otherwise would not win the world championship, have runs with the world title. You know, I just enjoyed it, man. And so I still enjoy it. You know? So I, I think personally... Give him a run with that world heavyweight champion. He doesn't have to cash in immediately. You know, I'm cashing in September, October, November, whenever the fuck, right? I just, I don't know. But now that he has it, let's not waste that motherfucker on a minute car title. That's just my thoughts. Tag team championship match. Raquel and Liv Morgan facing off with the champions. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. This match took a really weird turn because in the middle of destroying Liv Morgan... Shayna Baszler comes in, nails Ronda Rousey from behind, puts her in the Kuda Fuda clutch, chokes her out. Ronda's like, what are you, what, what are you doing? Why, why Shayna? Why? And um, just lays her out and leaves. Liv is looking around with a messed up arm. She, she tags Raquel, and Raquel does the, the power bomb. Then next thing you know, she does her live once, uh, live once or whatever it's called move. Liv Morgan is the first and only person to pin Ronda Rousey three fucking times. Of all people, not Becky Lynch, not Charlotte Flair, excuse me, fucking Liv Morgan is the only person to pin Ronda Rousey three fucking times. And she's won championships from her twice in, with that, in the last year. She beat her for Money in the Bank last year's Money in the Bank, pinned her again, when she tapped out at SummerSlam to defend her championship, 
Then she just pinned her for the World Tag Team Championships. Well, I, I this was a short-lived thing. Um, didn't see that coming. Uh, they unified the titles, and maybe they they knew that Ronda was not going to work Tuesday nights um, for NXT. Um, if they even hold their word to that, okay. Surprised me. Made something worth it, I guess. So let's go with that. Gunther, in a really, in my opinion, it was, even though this one's seven minutes, it was kind of a squash. Um, which was, it was a good kind of a squash because Matt Riddle came in injured with, with the injured foot. Uh, made Riddle tap out uh, and retained his Intercontinental Championship. But then we had the returning Drew McIntyre, who laid out Gunther, and that's clearly the match you're going with now. If you think about Drew, never Drew never got his one-on-one match. So this will be someone that uh, Gunther can run through next month, which is July, excuse me, August 5th. And SummerSlam, that'll be a hell of a match in Detroit. Can't say it's not, that, can't say it won't be a battle. Seth Rollins retains against uh, Finn Balor. Finn Balor got distracted when he saw uh, Damian Priest come out with the Money Bank briefcase. Said, what are you doing? End up missing the coup de gras. Gets nailed with the stomp. One, two, three. More problems within the Judgment Day brewing. And... It just was not a good night for Finn, young, young Finn Balor. Cody Rose defeats Dominic Mysterio. There was no sighting of Brock Lesnar, despite what most people said. They're still, I, I believe they're still doing that threesome. Now, uh, what threesome? Listen to me. <laughs> they're still having a three, <laughs> a part three to the feud with uh, Cody and uh, and Brock. They're going to want Brock on that SummerSlam card. There's nobody else to put him with at this point. And finishing the story, and Cody even acknowledged this in uh, the press conference, finishing the story is not the World Heavyweight Championship. It's the WWE Championship. He's nowhere near that belt right now. So, And if, after what they did la- uh, last night, he's not getting anywhere near that belt either anytime. So I don't know who's going to... Honestly, I have no clue who's being fucking Roman Reigns for that title. I legitimately have no fucking clue now. I still, I still have two months before the summer's up. I still think he's losing. I have no clue to who, though. Io Sky is Mrs. Money in the Bank. Um, this was a, I think this was one of the better women's ladder matches we've seen. It wasn't anywhere near as sloppy. Um, now I don't think it was sloppy at all, actually. But usually when you get these ladder matches with these women, they get sloppy. I think they just try to rush too many things. And honestly, I think it comes down to, I want to, I, for as much as I just sound like I blame the women, I truly believe, I have no proof of this, no one's told me anything. I truly believe it's the timing, the, the amount of time that they get from the producers, directors, Vince, whoever. And I think that's why they start rushing shit. That's what I just, that just, that's just, I see that feeling. But it, this was, this was what I expected it to be. Becky, uh, Trish, uh, Zoe, they got, they, they, they canceled each other out. Um, Bailey, you know, did her shady shit. But in the end, EO uh, handcuffed Becky Lynch and Bailey together. Climbed up and became Miss Money in the Bank. She's clearly going to, um, after what happened on Friday night, she's clearly cashing in at SummerSlam. That's my that's my bet, because we're getting a triple threat match at SummerSlam, which is going to be a fantastic triple threat match, by the way. So on SmackDown, we had two matches, tag title matches, Pretty Deadly Challenge for the World Tag Team Championships, which they lost, and Charlotte Flair Challenge for the World Women's Championship. Well, Bianca Belair interfered, getting both of them disqualified, laying out both Charlotte and Asuka, which clearly is going to be the match for SummerSlam. I have no doubt in my mind, whoever wins that match, 
at SummerSlam is getting cashed in on an EO Sky is going to become your new SmackDown Women's Champion, without a doubt. Um, but this this is the best call. This is the best call. She's over. The reaction she got last night, the reaction she got in Puerto Rico, she it's it's you can you can trust her with this. And also think about this: when Charlotte Flair had that token NXT Championship run, she didn't pin Charlotte, but she was in a triple threat match with Charlotte and Rhea. Rhea was only in the match so Charlotte could be protected. And and this is something that I believe someone on the creative team actually admitted to. Like Charlotte was Charlotte, like Triple H did not want Charlotte winning the NXT title. That he was overruled with that. And then they made it a call immediately once she won it that she was not going to be pinned for that championship. Which you could only imagine it just handcuffs you creatively, which is ridiculous. But um, this is the right call. So I don't think she's pinning Charlotte. So she's pinning either EO or fucking uh, either uh, Oscar or Bianca. Um, and I'm going to say she's going to pin Oscar. And that could lead to a few with them, which would be fucking amazing. So. And in your main event, the bloodline collides. The bloodline, air quotes, civil war. The Usos, one of the greatest tag teams in all of wrestling history. One of the greatest wrestling tag teams in WWE history. We'll go against Roman Reigns, their world heavyweight champion, WWE world heavyweight champion, and Solo Sokoa. I wanted to give a quick timeline. When this bloodline story ends... I'm going to do a entire show dedicated to every single match moment. We're gonna. I'm actually gonna do my research and dates, and that way, if you guys want to watch, you guys can go back and watch. I know WWE did something similar to this as well, but I want to do it here as well because you guys asked me like, what should I watch and blah blah blah. Because a lot of you guys are in and out with WWE. Um, you guys, when you guys catch it, you guys catch it. So you guys really listen to podcasts like my own to get your uh, your food right, being fed. And so, things I want to touch on are just from this year alone. The, the highlights of this year. Just, just this year. This is a three and a half year story at this point. So, we're going to say that before we go into the, the main event. The Royal Rumble match. Sami Zayn makes his choice. Nails Roman Reigns with a steel chair after he couldn't take seeing Kevin Owens get beat down. Which then allowed the Usos, Sokoa, to then take out Sami Zayn. And then you heard the loud F.U. Roman chants as he dropped pedals on Sami Zayn's body. Number two was the main event of Elimination Chamber in Montreal, where Sami Zayn loses to Roman Reigns, but he has main event. And he had a hot crowd behind him. It was it was all they so WWE took hopium the last two months and and in February, March, and April they took hopium. They laid it all out on the table and said, "Just sniff it like it's your Scarface, baby." Just sniff it. And everyone did, for the most part. Not not me, but most people did. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, the main event of WrestleMania with the Usos. The first time ever, a tag team championship match main event to the WrestleMania card. Only the second time a tag team match main event at WrestleMania. To go and remember the first one, it was at WrestleMania 1. With Hogan and Mr. T versus Orndorff and Roddy Piper, except this one was a lot better. <laughs> and this end, and this kicked off with Sami Zayn delivering the who, who I about to say who, 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 Hoover kick, but hell, hell of a kick. I call it hell of a kick. I prefer before I say it, but it's a hell of a kick to Jey Uso to pin and end the historic tag team championship reign of the Usos. Number four, 
Night Champions. Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa facing the Tag Team Champions, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Jimmy Uso can take no more. He super kicks Roman Reigns once. Jay's like, what you doing? He says, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. I got you. Super kicks him twice. Solo takes the pin. Reigns is devastated. Number six. Excuse me, number five. Roman Reigns on a SmackDown kicks out Jimmy Uso. And then Jimmy gets laid out by his own brother Solo. And then at the end of it, Roman, who's almost in tears, when Paul Heyman asks him, what about Jay? He says, Jay will do what, always, what he always does. He'll fall in line. Number six, Jay Uso finally leaves the fucking bloodline. You're out, and I'm out too. Super kicks galore. And this is where why we're at tonight, or last night. The main event, and it was a 30-minute main event. I know some people said it was uh, the build was slow. I actually like what Roman Reigns has been doing because he's different than Okada. Where like Okada's building in a wrestling match. He's wrestling. He's doing grapples and shit like that. Roman is interacting with the crowd. He's he's getting he's more showing the emotional air quotes sports entertainment side of things. And so I personally enjoy both ends of it. I'm enjoying it with Roman because I'm invested in this story. And it makes sense for him to be, you see how emotional he's getting. You see he's almost in tears. He's like, how can I be losing it? I am this. You know, you can see this. Everyone plays their part to perfection. Roman Reigns is taking a breather. Paul Heyman looks at him and says, do you know what? Do you want your kids, your sons at his table? That's what he's trying to take from you. Wow. Like, just emotional. Dude. It reminded me of when they're in Montreal and Roman's talking to Sammy's wife, and she's like, he loved you. It's just, this is cinema stuff, Playboy. This is cinema stuff. It's so powerful because you see how all this came together, and you see how it's, everyone who's been involved in this has elevated. You can say Owens didn't need it. Hell, Owens main invented a WrestleMania with fucking Steve Austin, the greatest of all time, someone would say. The most popular of all time, someone would say. But it's elevated everybody who's been a part of it. And so... This is, not the, this is not it, but this was a big part of it. You saw Reigns stack him and pack him like he did at WrestleMania 36 with to Daniel Bryan and to Edge, except the Usos kicked out. The Usos fucking kicked out. Then, all of a sudden, Solo takes a little too much time trying to put Jimmy through a table. He puts himself through a table. And then next thing you know, super kicks galore. Frog splash from Jey Uso to Roman Reigns. By the way, just in case you guys want to know another fun stat, the first person to pin Roman Reigns on the main roster was Jey Uso with a frog splash. The second person to pin Roman Reigns on the main roster, Jey hits the frog splash. One, two, three. After three and a half years, Reigns takes a pinfall loss. And he was not happy about it at the end. They show some behind-the-scenes footage where he's yelling. He can't take it. The Usos are celebrating. This was the pin that is it, cool. It just lets me know Jay is not one that shit. I'm assuming Jay versus Roman will main event uh, SummerSlam, and uh, Jay's not winning. That's clear now. They made that outcome predictable. Um, but what a moment for the Usos. What a fucking moment for the Usos. And this just will just keep the descent going for Roman. There is no more bloodline. 
it's just him and it reminds me of an episode of, of power where tasha and ghost are talking and ghost and her are arguing for us and tasha says it's nobody it's just me and you baby that's where it's like with roman and paul Heyman. just me and you baby as they're just falling they're just falling down and it's just like wow what, what happens next overall i thought it was a good show um and except if you want a story you got the story on these shows Will we get any answers from the Bloodline stuff? We tend to get really good answers. From Shayna about Ronda? I don't know. They still haven't told us why uh, Brock Lesnar attacked Cody Rhodes. Reasons? Um, So I don't fucking know. But uh, yeah, overall it was a fun show. And the last thing I'll mention is it was a surprise one shot from John Cena. Who came out, got a massive pop. They weren't saying saying, uh, John Cena sucks. They They were singing his lyrics. Um... And he appreciated that. Um, and then Grayson Waller came out, who has a broken leg. He just revealed that. Um, he took an F, uh, AA. I would say FU. Um, and John Cena made and uh, said, hey, well, maybe we should have WrestleMania here. This is all because Tony Khan is having a big event. They want to, air quotes, break the record. Let's say if the lasting number of AEW is 70, let's say 72 thousand people let's just throw that number out there seventy two thousand because they haven't they can they're they're, they're they have not set up like things that people don't know let me tell you guys something from especially for me working inside the wrestling industry from my the, the, the short stint i had they don't know how many tickets they can put out because they don't know what kind of configuration the 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 led board will take and all this type of stuff and when they figure all that out, that's when they release more tickets. But then they also release more tickets once they they put their first matches out there. We have no clue what any of these matches are going to be. I'm, I'm hoping they will build to this thing. And we could start seeing some stuff like the middle to late part of next month. Or this month, excuse me, we're in July now. Um, so hopefully we can start doing that. But that's when they're going to release more tickets. So let's say 72,000. I'm sure WWE will go there at some point in time and say they drew 95,000. That's why a lot of these records are not, like, verifiable because, like, it's going off of what their word is. And they're counting everybody in the building, not, not paid attendance, not just them. They're counting paid attendee, attendees, they're counting the staff, the directors, like, anyone who's in the actual building, including talent, they count that, which is, you, you take these things for what they're worth. But anyways, um... That was that was cool to see John. Cena. It's always good to see John Cena. He's always happy to be there. I know he was. He was very honest with his interview about his WrestleMania match. He says, "Hey, what you saw at WrestleMania is all I have left. My, I, my body cannot do it anymore, and I do not want to give the consumer a bad product." That's honest as fuck. And you know what? He did it for a very long time at a high level. Unfortunately, a lot of people just didn't appreciate it when it was happening. And honestly, sometimes it's hard to appreciate things in the moment. Like I remember. I had someone talking to me about how they had such a hatred for Kobe. And then he retired, and they're like, wow, we're not going to see anything like this. Like, yeah, you do. You, I'm old enough to where I've seen Jordan play. I've seen Jordan. Actually, I had a friend who bought me tickets to see Jordan play live when he was a wizard. So I got to see a wizard, Jordan. I was never a Jordan fan. But I appreciate that now because I was always a Shaq guy. I got to see Shaq live, too. But my point in saying this is I can say, wow, I, I, I saw Michael Jordan play. You know, not, not just that to saw him live, you know, but like just in general. We had John Cena for 16 years. It was hard to appreciate him a lot of those times because he was just thrown down our mother bleeping throats for so long. Christ Jesus. You know, that I get it. I do. But these moments make it 
worth it. I, I don't see it as nostalgia. I see it as he just he loves he loves the place, you know. So, anyways, let's get some news and notes before we hit this AEW show up, then get out of here. Um, according to Fightful, Triple H has been promoting matches in hopes to stop Vince from making last minute changes. That has not worked out so well for him. Vince has just changed the fucking plans. But that, good. it's good to know he's at least trying something. But this is, <sighs> this is just where we are. And uh, I hope Triple H does. I hope Triple H does not stop the good fight because if he leaves, then we are back to the same. Jackie Redman is now on the interview team for Raw now with Brian Saxon, and Kathy Kelly has been moved to SmackDown. June's twenty fourth. Excuse me, June 24th Collision episode did 595,000 viewers with a 0.21 rating. That is down a lot. Um, but that's expected. Like, I, I, I think I said this two weeks ago uh, or last week. I'm literally off, like, which I'm it's rare for me to be off on Saturdays, but I'm off. And I'm driving home. I was going to stop somewhere, get something to eat, I think, or to store something I was going to stop and do. And legitimately, it was 745. I said, oh, Collision's on. I just don't think about wrestling when I think about Saturday nights anymore. You know? Like the PLEs, yeah, sure. The pay-per-views, sure. But, like, just like the weekly show, I don't think about it. You know? So it's going to take a while to get used to it. And even then, I'm probably not going to be a, a weekly, just being real. Like, I'm not going to be a weekly, weekly, weekly participant of it. You know? I'll check out the, the results. But, like, I got shit to do. <laughs> just being real. You know? It just happens. Um, speaking of collision. Well, no. Layla Hirsch returned to, at the Orange Tables. She had been out for a year with a, uh, I think it was a torn ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but she's a stout. She looks amazing, actually. So good for, good for her. Welcome back. Let's get to this week's collision. It was a tape show. They taped it on Thursday. MJF had a surprise world championship match where he defeated Adam Page, or excuse me, Ego Page. Um, uh, Samoa Joe, Ricky Starks, Hobbs. All events in the Owen uh, Cup tournament, which means the semifinals of men's will be Hobbs versus Starks and Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. Miro won against a, uh, in a squash. Um, and Chris Statlander defeated Lady Frost to defend her TBS championship. Uh, so if you didn't see it, it sounds like, it, honestly, from what I was told, it was a good episode. But if you didn't miss it, you, you, you kind of didn't. If you missed it, you kind of didn't miss anything because you kind of we knew the outcomes were were kind of predictable from what we had saw before. If that makes any sense. Um, this week's dark side of the ring. We'll get to diamond at the end. Uh, this week's dark side of the ring was focused on the junkyard dog, the JYD. Um, fun fact here. Fun fact here. I want to say this, and then we'll get into the episode. Junkyard dog and Michael Hayes had the record for main venting. Uh, the Superdome in New Orleans and having the highest grossing ticket sales um, for 30 years until WrestleMania 30. It took an entire fucking company to beat that record in the Superdome. Um, they had a blood feud going on and they, they spoke a little bit about this in the episode. Uh, but they had a blood feud going on, Junkyard Yard Dog and the Freebirds and they main evented New Orleans Superdome and I believe at the time it was like 55,000 seats they, they sold out in the 80s. Um, and once again, WrestleMania came along in WrestleMania 30 and, and beat that record. But think about that. They put 55,000 people in that fucking arena before it was... But just That's crazy. And so anyways, the point of this is Junkyard Dog was a big deal. And uh, he had a body 
He had the character, and he was over. He was over with the crowd. Um, Bill Watts, who ran the tor- territory in New Orleans, um, saw saw in him money, dollar signs. And he drew a lot of money with Junkyard Dog. And here's the thing. So I've heard a lot of different stories. Teddy Long is very open in these interviews about a lot of the white talent using the N-word that he's heard. That he's heard. They obviously deny these these things. But Teddy Long has has had no give a fucks, and that's not a thing, but no fucks given um, about things he's heard. Was first week that comes in the N word, and so he, he so he said that you know Junkyard Dog apparently heard this from you know Bill Watts' mouth. But anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Either way, JYD had a great body, great look, great character, and he had a moveset. And um, Junkyard Dog was just over with the crowd. The crowd loved him. And he was making a lot of money. And then WWE came calling. And by this time, he had kind of had some drug issues, some drug problems. But let's rewind again. Um, I might just be all over the place with this. Um, I did not know how close him and Ted DiBiase were. They had a blood feud in uh, in, in Mid-South Wrestling. And um, they ended up becoming best of friends. Uh, matter of fact, JYD was best man at, at Ted DiBiase's wedding. And um, they were just best of friends. I had no clue. I did not, would not, did not see that coming at fucking all. That is the most, one of the most interesting things about this entire fucking story was that. Anyways, um, he, he he got a drug problem, and he ended up going to WWE because they offered him a lot more money. But when he went to WWE, that, that completely killed the territory because that was the main draw. And um, Bill Watts has always said, I've heard him in interviews too. He's always said how he was the first one to put a black wrestler on top, which he was. You know, now in fairness, I think Ernie Ladd has something to do with that. If you guys don't know who Ernie Ladd is, Ernie Ladd was uh, really the, I want to say, the first really popular black wrestler. He was tall. I think he was a former football player. Um, he ended up getting into the office. Um, he's the one who actually, Bill Watts saw JYD, but Ernie Ladd said, no, he's going to be a star. You need to push him. And because Bill Watts trusted Ernie Ladd so much, he did. And it paid off for him. Um, and so, yes, he is that first. I think I, I don't. I think he is the first person to push a black star. Uh, JYD never won any championships or anything, but like he, he was main eventing. As I said, he main eventing Superdome had those records, stuff like that. So that without JYD, there wouldn't be a lot of shit going on that, that's going on now with black wrestlers, you know. You know, you had to have Ernie Ladd to get a junkyard dog, to get a junkyard dog to get to a fucking Ron Simmons, you know. Anyways, um, he once he got that drug problem, no, it it did him in, um, and he would only do shows when he needed the money. But otherwise, he had lost his 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 physique. He was out of shape a lot. Um, he went to WWE, and that's when they got pretty real about black talent not being pushed and how, you know, in the smaller territories you could push a black guy. Um, but in WWE, that's not what they did. Um, are there racial undertones? I don't know. Um, there could have been, there could have been. By the time when he was, when, when JYD was in WWE, yeah, Hogan. Nobody was going to be as big as Hogan. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if you're black, white, Mexican, fucking this, that, and third. No one was going to be as big as fucking Hulk Hogan. Um, does, I don't, I know, uh, his, Nephew, I believe the interview for this episode 
feels like he could have been teach his own. I don't think that would have been the case. Um, but it wasn't the same when we went to WWE. They, like, once, once again, Vince puts his spin on you, you know, and either it works or it doesn't. Um, I think he was still over, but he wasn't as massively over as he was in the South. And also, at the same time, you got to remember, guys like him and Dusty, they had natural charisma, but you need to be pushed. You need that push. And so they never really got it, you know. Um, but that was a topic for a little bit. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts was interviewed for this. Ted DiBiase was interviewed for this. Um, and, and you know what? I thought about this. I was listening to Solid Monster Sounds Off. He is a great uh, podcast. Check him out. He actually made a good point. Ever since the plane ride from hell, they, they, they don't really have many... Um, they have they've had issues getting interviews. Now, in fairness, they said what they said in those interviews. Like Tommy Dreamer said what he said. He looked in the camera and he said what he fucking said. So the backlash was well deserved, but also made things get too real for people. It's like it's like that great Fifty Cent line when he said, "I want the real." Oh no no no, that's too real. I don't want that. <laughs> There's no such thing as either real or fake. There's no middle ground with real. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a thing, you know? So, like, I think that episode, they got way too real, way too fucking honest. And you couldn't take that back. Also, it didn't help that you had multiple plane rides from hell that were confused. So now you're mixing different plane rides from hell. And everyone's telling their version of of the events that, quite frankly, didn't happen on one flight and happened on another flight. And then you have someone condoning someone essentially sexually harassing a poor person trying to fucking work. So, like, it, it was weird. But I do think he's right. With I do think uh, Solomonster is right on that front where he, 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 they've had it. You could tell. Like, it's, it's, you could tell they've struggled getting wrestlers to, to do interviews on these things. I mean, these things are these things aren't easy to talk about. You know, like, people like Jake Roberts, though, like, they don't care. They Jake Roberts is super brutally honest. Like when they asked him about JYD's death, he said, I was happy for him because I was happy it was over. Like he had said that in his own insanity when he was at his worst in his addiction. He was like, he would hear that some of his friends died, and he said he would look up to God and say, Why aren't you taking me? Take me. Like in his insanity, he would say those things. That makes fucking sense. No, so I, I ain't think anything wrong with it. You know, that's what he's been consistent with how he feels. Um Ted DiBiase did say how his last conversation with JYD was JYD called him up and said, "Hey, I know you're doing motivational speaking now. Um, use my story as a cautionary tale." And Ted Ted DiBiase claims he didn't know that that would be the last time he talked to him, but he he's not surprised that his last words were just, you know, telling my story. Um, how he died was a car accident. He drove nine hours to see his daughter graduate. He missed the graduation. No one knows why. You could probably guess why. And then he didn't get any rest. He stayed for a family function, and then he just said, nah, I got to get back. And uh, he was going to drive the nine hours, and he car crash, passed away. Uh, not enough rest and all that good stuff. Uh, the real tragedy is his, the, his daughter, his only daughter, the one that actually inducted him into the WWE Hall of Fame, I think in 2004, 2003, one of those. Um, she had like a blood clot in her heart. And she and there was nothing the doctors could do. My Tony found it at burst, and she had passed away. And um, I, I, the hardest part about this story to me, outside of this just whole self destruction thing, was 
when uh, the, the the nephew was talking and he said, well, the 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 sister helped raise the daughter like it was her own, and junkyard dart sister, and she was there for JYD and like she finds it hard to talk about both of them, which is fair, you know. But this guy was me- If you guys have Peacock, I would encourage you guys to watch some of these, even if you don't watch the whole match. I get it's not for everybody. Just watch some of the reactions these people would get. They were over. The, the, the pops you're hearing now from this bloodline shit, that is stuff that you would see back then, but these people would go crazier because they could touch you. They could feel you, you know? So, um, this one wasn't as depressing because, once again, it's, it's kind of like self-sabotage type of thing, uh, but it's so dark, you know? Uh, this upcoming week, holy fuck, will this be probably the most watched? I will be surprised. 120% surprised if this is not the most watched Dark Side of the Ring of all time. And I mean that. July 4th, we have fucking Marginetti on Dark Side of the Ring. I don't... I, I'm terrified of what uh, what this fucker is going to say on the show. I'm terrified of what we're going to see on July 4th, America's fucking birthday. That is not me bullshitting... That's me being as real with you as I possibly fucking can. And I'm looking forward to seeing this fucking train wreck. Just being real with you. But that's the next episode. Holy shit, this is going to be crazy. Let's get out of here on this. AEW Dynamite. Keith Lee, Vikingo, and Ernst Cassidy defeat the Jericho uh, Appreciation Society. MJF hung out with Adam Cole for a little bit, calling uh, Roddy Strong the generic white guy, which he then put in his, as his name on Collision. Petty. John Moxley defeated Ishii. Britt Baker was out due to illness. She apparently she got sick uh, being with Adam Cole because he was sick. Uh, the Dark Order challenged the Elite. Uh, Hangman Adam Page was so against fighting these guys. He, he understood they, how they felt betrayed, but he didn't want to fight them. They forced his hand and they beat him. And then afterwards, the uh, Black Bull Combat Club came out and laid them out. Dark Order seeing Hangman's bloody mess. They're looking. They want to help. And they say, nah. F this guy, he left us to, uh, to die. That didn't feel like it. I know some people said it was a heel turn. Was it a heel turn though? Because once, once he, the, the last time we've associated Hangman with the Dark Order, wasn't it last year all out when they all lost thanks to Hangman Page as affiliation with the Elite before he was back affiliated with them, and they lost a trios championship finals match. I think it's been almost a year, bro, since we've last associated those two people, the, the, those two, uh, those two groups, Hangman and Dark Order. So I don't think that was a heel turn. Anyways, they they beat up everybody pretty good. Hey, uh, Eddie Kingston comes out. He gets beat up pretty good. Moxley then, then announced it. July 19th, Boston. Blood and guts. I saw a great thing. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if this actually aired on Dynamite or not, but I saw this great moment where like Eddie Kingston and um, Moxley are arguing. Renee Paquette's in the middle of this. And John Moxley says it. Dude, that happened in Shikara 10 years ago. Nobody cares. I was like, oh, that's a nice, nice name job. Shikara. Nice. Anyways, Renee Paquette then gets in the middle of them, says, looks at uh, Eddie Kingston and says, hey, you need to fix this because I'm done. And so then she walks away. I was like, oh, I got a little turned on there. I'm not going to lie. I was like, holy shit. I do like how, I, is this leading? Because is this leading to a, 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 a all out or all in match with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley? This feels like it's leading to a one-on-one match. They've already had one. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the main event of an all-in, like, the second year? 
because Moxley was world champion then, and him and uh, Hangman, Hangman, him and uh, Kingston had um, a I Quit match where a barbed wire was. Uh, let's just fucking look it up. Why am I asking myself? Let's just look this motherfucker up. Hold on a second. All in 2020. Let's do that. All right. Let's see. No, because that was Lance Ar- Archer defeating Eddie Kingston. What was the main event of that match? Oh, that night then. Oh, that was John Moxley versus MJF. Uh, hold on a second. Let's see. All in. Okay, so it had so. What pay per view was that then? Was that that had to be full gear then? That was a pay per view though that they had that match on though. Anyways, either way, I, I, this feels like it's leading into a one on one match with those two. Um, I know we also have Death Before Death Before Dishonor, which is still happening some point in time in this month of July, and we don't. I haven't watched the ROH, so I don't know uh, who's facing Claudio, if anyone. You know, that's 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 still coming up. And also, I didn't realize this, but they gave Samoa Joe a new World Television Championship belt, and he's been t- TV champ for a year. I compl- it's been a fucking year since he defeated Suzuki, because Suzuki. I remember I was actually at the show that, says, that Suzuki won the TV title. Um, and he lost it to fucking Joe. It's been a fucking year. Did, time flies. Did I know that? Uh, apparently, uh, Brian Danielson's uh, injuries worse than thought. So we don't know anything yet. Nothing's been reported, but apparently it's worse than thought. So for those of you guys who care, there you go. And then, and it, this is the weirdest shit here, bro. So they apparently were still playing the book a Keith Lee swerve match at All In. They dropped a few fucking months ago. And now they're trying to pick it back up because now in the blind tournament, the blind tag team tournament, they just randomly throw out there that next week we have Darby Allen and Ernst Cassidy versus Keith Lee and Swerve Scott. No one cares anymore. Why wasn't this a match at fucking Re- Revolution or something? They literally had um, the Mogul affiliates put uh, Keith Lee on the shelf. Then they brought Keith Lee back under some type of weird gray hair god persona, whatever the fuck he was. No one gave a shit. Now he's back to his black hair. He's dying his, dying his hair black again. And then all of a sudden, they're tag teaming again in a blind tournament to lead to a match that no one cares. Dude, what what are we doing here? I feel like this is like the booking of Wardlow. Why? Super fucking weird to me. I don't I don't like it. We never got a conclusion. So if we would have got that conclusion before, then having them team up again would have made fucking sense. But it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't know. Ruby defeated a local wrestler and then cut a pretty good promo on Britt Baker. I completely forgot that. I take a sip of water after, after, after yelling that much. Uh, Should have done that. Sorry about that. So, I completely forgot. Ruby Soho was in, was in the finals of the fucking Own Heart Tournament last year. So I think the good doctors do to give that win back. So I'm I'm picking Ruby to beat that beat her. And then the main event. Oh, let me before we get to the main event. Jungle Boy cuts first heel promo. He ran and dove into his car and drove off. He said, I'm still cashing fat checks and fucking the baddest bitch in the back. I'm sure uh, the, the, a member of uh, the United Empire would disagree with that and some other people who have been posting nothing but Sky Blue Bix. But teach some. Um, anyways, I thought it was pretty good. I'm sure he'll get better. But no, in the main event, I, I'm watching the fucking main event, right? So here's how I'm watching it. I'm recording. I'm literally recording. My Fight Forever review, right, which is in the archives. I'm recording that. I have the show on my TV to my left-hand side. 
So I'm sitting there, do do do, and watching it, you know, recording it, just in the vibe in the zone. And then I see Darby pick up the ladder, which is nothing surprising. Has the biggest ladder. So all of a sudden, you see Samuel outside. I'm like, man, Sammy looks. Pre-. I'm thinking this in my head as I'm recording a show, by the way. Like, man, Sammy looks pretty far away. I don't, but Darby can make it. Still doing the review. Still doing the review. I look over again because at the corner of my eye, I see someone. I see a black thing walking up. I'm looking. It's fucking Sting because Sting's in all black. I'm like, why is Sting climbing the ladder? I'm like, no, he's not. No, I hit pause on my fucking microphone. I said, this motherfucker better not be jumping. Sting looks, says, I'm going to do it. Darby says, okay, cool. Slaps him on the chest. He dives. This dude, is. does he not know he is a national treasure and we need to protect him at all costs from himself, from Tony Khan, and from fucking Darby Allen? Apparently, he said Darby and Tony approved it, or more Tony approved of it. So he dove. He didn't make it all. His, his face hit the second table, but the first table broke. Apparently, he lost a tooth, but he, he said he felt good. His mouth was bleeding. Darby, if you care who won the fucking match, Darby, Darby and fucking Sting won, if you care. But I'm like, holy shit, on a fuck cracker, Batman. What are we doing? This dude's crazy. This dude didn't do, he did not do this much crazy shit when he was in his prime. And he's doing it now. This is clearly his last year in wrestling because he's lost his fucking mind. But either way, um, it, it, it was a crazy match. It was fine. It just didn't. I just didn't see that coming, and he connected once again. He did connect. He did technically put Sammy through a table. Just didn't put him through both. So, anyways, that was fucking bananas. So, that's the way we're gonna end this show this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the match of the month. Uh, as this week, as I said, uh, I said this in my review of episode two of Secret Invasion. You guys have been really wanting me to like do it the same day as a show. This Wednesday is gonna be ridiculously busy for me, but I'm dropping episode. It's already uploaded everything so episode two will will be there in the morning time it's normal time then late 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 i'll post something on instagram but late 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 will be episode three this and that way we'll be up to date the review of it and then we'll do them week by week so um i have heard your calls i will definitely keep keep my word to that but it will be late just being honest with you i'm doing a lot of work that day and got a lot of personal shit to take care of but late that night it will be taken care of so um, I am the slow chemical. This is I see things a little differently. This is your Monday show. Talk to you guys on Wednesday. I'm out.